Hello, future billionaires. Welcome back to another episode of Invest Like a Billionaire. Uh, Jim and I had a really fun interview with Allie Boone of Hipster Investments, and uh, she's talking mostly all about turnkey rentals and turnkey rental real estate. And so I'll admit this was something that I was a little bit skeptical of. Um, just I share some of the interview of of uh, you know my experience just seeing this uh, space for a while, but. She's a big believer in it and um, you know, has been doing this for a long time and has some great insights that I definitely learned a few things about this space. Um, Jim, I know you've kind of had different experiences with rentals and things over time. What was some of your takeaways in the interview? Yeah, I think she, I think she did a good job. And I think we, you know, pulled out of her also the, you know, so the, some of the reality that some of the things to look out for and, and some of the reasons to actually use a service like hers actually and connect with somebody. Because there are some pitfalls and there are some hidden traps, but uh, you know everything looks good on paper till you till you dig in. But so I think it's I think Excellent. it's good, actionable um, content. Yeah, so it, it's a fun interview. Ali's got a lot of energy, a lot of personality. It's really fun. And as always, a little disclaimer for anyone that we bring on this podcast that is either you know selling something or has investment opportunities. Um, this is not a stamp of approval that we are. Um, have done all the due diligence and vetted them. This is on uh, our listeners to do that. So if this is interesting to you, obviously, please do due diligence and uh, vet out every person that we bring on thoroughly, um, if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and finally, uh, we recently just launched our new podcast website uh, at thebillionairepodcast.com. So thebillionairepodcast.com. Please check it out. It's, it's really cool. Um, it has all the episodes there. It's really easy to uh, listen to them all. If you want to binge some, some great content. And we've also started a new thing called Ask Anything. And so if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, we have a series called Top of Mind Series, where we will take kind of bite-sized little topics and questions and, and create some, some thoughts and content around that. And we really want this to start to become a um, kind of back and forth and, and uh, you know, community provided uh, content. So if you guys have questions, if you have thoughts on the market, on the economy, on different asset classes, whatever it is, please go to that website, click on that link, submit uh, your thoughts, your questions. We'd love to see that and uh, may even be featured on a future podcast. Um, so with that, we really appreciate listening to this episode and enjoy Ali Boone. This is the Invest Like a Billionaire podcast, where we uncover the alternative investments and strategies that billionaires use to grow wealth. The tools and tactics you'll learn from this podcast will make you a better investor and help you build legacy wealth. Join us as we dive into the world of alternative investments, uncover strategies of the ultra-wealthy, discuss economics, and interview successful investors. Welcome back to the Invest Like a Billionaire podcast. I am your co-host, Ben Frazier, joined by fellow co-host, Jim Mafuccio. And today we are talking with Ali Boone of hipsterinvestments.com. Ali, how's it going? It's going. How are you guys? I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes. We're excited to, to talk with you. So you're, you're in California, right? You're in a beautiful part of the country. How's, how's it going? 
Californians going great. My real eyes, you guys are distracting me from a really gnarly eviction situation. I'm like, whoo, I get to talk about it. I'm like, what do you guys want to talk about? Wait, no, don't stop talking. Keep asking me questions because other when I'm done with this, I get to go back to a uh, rental property drama, which is very exciting. But California itself is free. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into all of it, I'm sure. But just it's really fun little background on Allie. And uh, she's a real estate investor. And she's got a pretty cool story, which I want her to share a little bit. And we'll even be giving away a little freebie at the end of the interview. So stay tuned for that. Um, but her her story is kind of crazy. She uh, went from food stamps to becoming an entrepreneur in real estate and uh, having a very successful uh, career uh, really in turnkey rentals as well as coaching. And so um, there's lots of cool stuff about you. I think you got a master's degree in aerospace and spiritual psychology and so all these kind of cool things meld together to make Allie Boone. So Allie, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to where you're at. Sure. Well, both those, those degrees are two separate degrees. I can picture someone being like, a master's in aerospace spiritual psychology. What, 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 <laughs> where can I get one of those? I, like, or do I want <laughs> a couple of ways? <laughs> People are going to think I'm a total nut. They're like, what in the world? Which one that certificate? Um, yeah, so my story is that I grew up kind of with a typical old school mindset, go to school, get good grades, get a secure job, retire when you're 65, that whole thing. And that worked out well for a while and I followed that path. But it, I think even before I really dove into that path, I knew it really wasn't the path for me, but it, I did it. And before I ever sat down at my first cubicle, I knew it wasn't for me. Like I had just gone to school that was the master's in aerospace engineering. I just got a, hired by the dream company. You know, the whole thing was like, had dream job written all over it. But I very quickly realized it was someone's dream, just not mine. And so before I ever sat down in the cubicle, I was like, uh-oh, I got to get out of here. If for no other reason, I've always been rebellious and I'm much better at working for myself versus reporting to other people. It's just kind of not my thing. And I knew that. And here I was early in the morning. I'm at business casual clothes on. I was like, this is terrible. And so... The problem was what I knew I wanted out of corporate before I even got my first paycheck. I didn't know how to get out of corporate because at the time when I just went to school for engineering, I honestly was not really a good engineer. I can still make a mean spreadsheet, but past that, I actually wasn't a good engineer. And before that, I was flying airplanes. And so I obviously could work some jobs with those skills. But as far as setting out on my own, none of that really translated to something that would get me out of corporate. So I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. Fast forward and it took me five years. I was reading every book I could find. I was networking. I was just trying to find answers of how I was going to get out. And ironically, I some real estate investing opportunities landed in my inbox while I was trying to figure this out. I was not putting two and two together, but those would be my ticket out. But I thought to myself, well, well, I still have a W-2 paycheck, like a solid paycheck every Friday. I might as well do something smart with it because whenever I figure my way out of here, I may not have that money or mortgageability or anything else. So I started investing and through investing just as a side thing, again, I'm just something smart to do with my money. I started meeting all sorts of people and one thing led to another. And you know, we'll go into details of the story later, but it, it was just through who I was meeting, turnkey rental properties really came into the picture. And if you had asked me beforehand if I ever went the turkeys would get me out of corporate, I absolutely would have said no, because it's just not, those two things don't really go together. But the way that it all came up, I became such a kind of go-to person for turnkeys because I was 
so freaking excited about them. I was throwing anyone who would listen. So suddenly everyone was coming to me asking, who are you buying through? What are they? Wait, what are you doing? And that's what really picked up the momentum to end up having a business. And I, I still didn't know that that was going to get me out of corporate, but eventually it did. And for the first few years, I was solely focused on turkeys. I'm still very much dealing with turkeys all day, every day, if not the majority of my time. But over the last few years, it's graduated into turkeys attract a lot of newer investors. And a lot of new investors are fearful. They're overwhelmed. They have no idea what's going on. And I know that when I was a new investor, I was lacking a lot of information and a lot of support. And in this industry, it's like, who do you trust? Like, do I trust this dude in a suit who swears financial credit? Like, there's no checks and balances, really. So it was intimidating. And so I kind of graduated alongside doing turnkeys as I really loved help coaching people. And I was saying, it's not just new investors. It's people who are doing whatever strategy they run up against an obstacle. And I love being able to help out with that. So that's kind of where it's gone to now, where most of my time is spent doing turnkeys and coaching, which I love the coaching factor because I get to talk about a lot of things not involving turnkeys and Meeting people, helping people see it all along their journey, which is so fun for me. So that's kind of where I am now. Let me let me roll the clock back a little bit. That's awesome. But let me just ask you, uh, when you say you, you you know opportunity came to your inbox, was it actually to be a passive investor in a turnkey property or was it to learn how to do the business of providing turnkey investments to others? Because those are that's that's quite a big difference. Yeah. And that's a great question. So it was funny because I was so bored at my dream job for five years. I had subscribed to every newsletter. Now I unsubscribed to every newsletter I possibly can. But at the time I was like, bring them to me. I don't know what's getting me out of here. And what's funny is the, I think it was a Think Realty newsletter that ended up in my inbox and the advertisement for, now the preface to this, before I tell you what it was, I had just gone down with a real estate agent. I live in LA. And I went down to Orange County and looking at possible rental properties. I knew nothing about rental properties. I didn't know how to run the numbers. I didn't know anything. And all I could see were these very expensive, dilapidated houses that I would have to rehab. And then the rents weren't that high. And I was like, hit scratcher. I was like, I don't know how rental properties profit, but I don't see how these numbers work out. Orange County is not a good starter market for rent. No, it's a terrible starter market. Like the cheapest property we looked at was $271,000. And there were, but you probably went for a boatload of those then, right? No. No, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Actually, now you say that, those properties aren't worth now. And so, right before this, the royalty thing showed up on the inbox, I'm like $271,000 for a shack. Like, ugh. So, the advertisement was, Beachfront bungalow uh, for $99,000 in Nicaragua. And I've always been a rebel and I love doing things that make people's heads turn. And after I giggled, I was like, where's Nicaragua? Oh, Central America, the third world country. That's kind of what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure it was actually what we were talking about. So it was a pre construction development and I moved the beach and I was like, wait, $99,000 with seller financing. I think it was 30% down or something like that with seller financing on a beach in a third world country, I was like, done. Actually, I didn't take that. Back. I didn't say done. I was like, scam. Absolutely scam. Yeah. But I'm going to pursue it because if for some reason it's not a scam, then it's very exciting. So I went forward on it, honestly assuming it was a scam. But the more I met the people, the more I signed contracts, the more like Wyndham Hotels was in on this thing. Jack Nicholas Golf Course Design was on this development. I was like, hey, that's kind of fun. 
So I went forward on it, but the people who were working on that project were also involved with turnkeys. And so the whole time this was going on, they were, they kept bringing up turnkeys and I was like, it sounds so boring compared to beachfront property in a third world country. I was like, I have no interest in this turnkey thing. So I was looking at all of these investments just as things for me to invest my money in. And one day the guy said, listen, we know you're not in the Cherokees, totally fine, but just want to give you a heads up that the next big market is Atlanta because I knew I was from Atlanta. And I was like, oh, well, if it's not Atlanta, though, like, I'd be kind of dumb to not just, I go to Atlanta all the time, like, I should at least look at these things, like, so boring, but whatever, I'll check it out. That was literally my mindset. And so I went to Atlanta. I bought my first turkey. Immediately, I was like, oh, my God, how can I get however many of these? And so the answer to your question is it was solely from uh, what can I invest in myself? Because the big appeal about the turkeys to me after I put aside the rebellious, adventurous side of third world country pre-construction developments um, was... First of all, they were so cheap, but the big thing, but for a good house, fully rehabbed, tenants in place. And I was like, well, this seems too good to be true. Cause this was 2011, right in the middle of crash. Everything was cheap. And the big thing for me, and especially compared to those orange county houses, there was no rehab needed. Like my goal of getting out of corporate was never to go get another job. I didn't, I'm not very handy. I don't like managing contractors. I didn't, any of that. And I think that's what held me out of real estate for a while because it seemed like everything I could have done involved that kind of work. And I'm like, I'm just not, it's not my strong suit. I'm not good at it. So all of a sudden, turnkeys come around. I'm like, wait a minute. So I can still get a good investment and let like to do any of that. And that's what got me hooked from the get go. So I started buying turnkeys. And that's when just casually I was telling so many people about it. Like my cousin ended up buying one, my mom's friend bought one. And I started writing about it online. And that's what Bigger Pockets found me. They asked me to be a writer from them. And that's what propelled it because it was not so much me buying the turnkeys that got me out of corporate, which that helped, but it was really everyone coming to me as suddenly kind of this like turnkey guru because turnkeys have been around for a long time. But I don't think people were really talking about them, at, you know, in mass quantity. Okay. So on, on that note, I got to ask you a question because there's, there's probably a small percentage of people that are listening that have heard you say turnkey now about 30 bucks. I mean, it, it is almost Thanksgiving, so maybe she's say Yeah, exactly. Turnkey, everybody, not turkey. Okay. Like, I, yeah, well, and I cannot write anything about Thanksgiving with, I can't type turkey. Like, it's all, right. like, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> how was your turnkey dinner? Or like, yeah. ruined me for turkey. <laughs> And it's funny too, because like feeling like I eat, sleep and breathe turkeys. And I forget sometimes that some people have no idea what that term means. So the term turnkey is a turnkey rental property. The term turnkey itself refers to the condition of a property. So the metaphor is that you stick a key in the door, you turn it and you're making cash flow on day one. It well, this is typically rehab, if not new construction, yeah. tenant in place, property yep. management in place. Yep. And stick it's totally grasp. It's as passive as you could get in real estate mm. versus investing in a real estate fund or something like because you actually the, yeah. per, the buyer, the turnkey investor actually owns the hull. Yeah. And that's about it, right? Yeah. For you to personally own the home, it's about as passive, passive as you can get. Like if you do syndications or notes or whatever, and that can be more passive for sure. But for you to own real property, and it's definitely not 100% passive, as I said, I mean, a bunch of drama going on right now. 
And it does require your brain to be involved. And the most important thing is you doing due diligence. Because what I've learned over the years is that when we call it passive and hands off and all that kind of stuff, which I'm one of the culprits of calling them that, that it gives people this message that they just never have to do anything. It's like, that's not bad. But the term eternity itself, while it technically refers to the condition, like you said, it's rehab, tons of place, property managers. When people are talking about turnkey road properties, like you can own, there could be a property right next to you that is a turnkey property because it's in that condition. But when you hear people talk about turnkeys and turnkey road properties, they're most likely talking about the properties that come from turnkey providers. So these companies go out, they buy distressed properties of bulk, they rehab them, they place tenants, they have property management set up, and you, the buyer, are buying it from this company. So they're really just glorified flippers. They're focusing on flipping to investors. But it's very rare that like, while the term technically just refers to the condition, it's very rare that I hear people talk about turkeys that are outside of coming from these turnkey companies. So the strategy, as people know it, is find these properties from the turnkey providers. You get the turnkey property and then you go forward on it. Right. And for the record, just to clarify some people too, I try and tell people this all the time, is that turnkey is only a method of buying a rental property. It's not a method of only the rental property. Once you buy the property, you own it just like you would any other rental property. You can use any property manager you want. You can hire and fire people. Like you are in charge of the property. The turnkey model, the turnkey strategy is just a vehicle for people to be able to get rental properties a little bit easier, you know, so you don't really swing hammers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So so my perception, I've never invested in a turnkey. I've, you know, not been really involved in it. So I was interested to have you on because my perception, kind of maybe your perception of the Nicaragua opportunity is it's it's kind of similar to turnkeys for me because it, it, mm-hmm. I, I think I've been on these lists where it it, it kind of, I think is over-marketed, over-hyped yeah. that it is completely passive. And, and we all know real estate left and right is hundred percent passive. Even if you're passively investing in syndications, you're still, there's still some active involvement that you have to, to have, right? Yeah. And it's, there's, there's kind of degrees, but, and then also some of the, the returns that, you know, you see projected and, you know, 15% cash on cash and, you know, my mind thinks this is in the States, this is in the ghetto. Like this is, you know, you you can't get that. And, um, you know, so, so what have you kind of learned? I mean, I I know that's not the case. You've had, you've been successful, you've done this. And so you like, help me re reframe my perception of it by, you know, what are the things that maybe you've learned along the way that someone kind of get into it is, is seeing these kind of fancy ads and these emails that are saying, Hey, come find the best opportunities since sliced bread. Um, because there are some benefits of it, but to me, it's more a determination of, you know, margins will probably be a little bit less if you are buying a turnkey, I would imagine, because you're buying it from someone that's already rehabbed it. They have to make a profit. You have a property manager in place, which you're paying, you know, a percentage of the of the uh, rents. And so you're you're giving up some profit, but you're trading your time yeah. for the, the those costs, whereas you can be more active, do all those different parts yourself and make more money. So it's really a, a determination of, how active do you want to be? But the, the original question is, what what have you kind of learned along the way over the past you know, several years that have maybe shifted your perspective on what are the things to look out for? Where are the opportunities? You know, obviously Atlanta is a great example of being in a growth market, I would imagine, is is a way to to really uh, position yourself in success uh, in this space. Yeah, I mean, kind of what you're, what I heard that you're asking, and correct me if everyone, it's basically like, like, yeah, you say there's an ad that comes across your inbox. It's like, 
passive income, 15% cash account, like what can you go wrong? And one of the big questions that has come up over the years are, are turnkey uh, turn too good to be true? Because on just exactly to your point, does you get an ad about it and it all sounds perfect? It's like, what could go wrong? Just like with anything else, that's absolutely not true. And I could only wish that they were too good to be true. And the reason I tell people that they're not is because there are humans in the equation. And I say that once <laughs> humans are involved, things are going to go wrong, period. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how good someone's intentions are or whatever, things go wrong. This is still real estate investing. And I think turnkeys over the years have been painted to some degree as this like picture perfect, hands-off, passive opportunity, whatever. So the two major things that I'll say in response to that is number one, the doubt, there is a downside to it, which you kind of alluded to it is the typical mindset or typical um, investment that investors are pitched is the value add deal. But you go buy this, the distressed property for $60,000, you put $20,000 into it, so you're only 80,000 in and suddenly it's worth 100 or 120. Everyone preaches that you should do that because that initial forced appreciation and that equity is a big part of your return. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's great. But there are trade-offs with everything. And with a term to me, you're going to pay market value. So instead of paying, you know, being 80,000 in and it's worth 100 or 120, you're going to pay that 100 or 120. So you're not going to have that initial equity. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be profitable. That's the big argument you're going to hear against turnkeys is most investors are trained to not buy anything at market value. But there's, in my opinion, there's a whole education with that of like, okay, yeah, don't pay market value for something distressed, but you're paying what it's, it's worth the market value. So that's the big complaint you'll hear about turnkeys, why they're not too good to be true. Then the second thing is where I've seen people go wrong and detrimentally so in 10 years, and I kind of, I kind of alluded to this earlier, is it's not 100% hands-off. And I even have a turnkey's ebook call, like turnkey rental properties, the hands, something to the hands-off, pro- I even call it hands-off. And I don't remember the name of my ebook. Um, <laughs> but what I've learned is people take that too seriously. And so they buy this property, they sign on the their line, and they're like, no problem. And the two things they don't do is number one, when you're buying the property, you want to do full due diligence on this property, just like you would if you were going out on your own. And the reason people don't is because of that marketing ad you're talking about saying, oh, these people are going to do all the work for you. Here's what you're getting. Here's the picture. Here's the performance. Done. And people don't realize that you need to check all of that your own mistakes happen on performance. Property can do it, it just doesn't always come as advertised. So, number one, people completely forget to ever do or never make to do it in the first place of due diligence. And that can get people in trouble because once you own that property, it's on you, whatever goes on with it. So, then the other one is after you own it, not being willing to stand up to the manager because, yes, the property manager should be doing everything for you. But ultimately, it's up to you because the property manager is not perfect either. So, if they start to suck at some point, You've got to be willing to step in. Like right now, I just, I have an eviction situation going on where the property manager is doing one thing and if I have to participate in the situation, I can't just sit back and leave it. So I think when people come into turkeys, there's this almost inherent mindset that everything's going to show up perfect and you don't have to do anything because that's how they're advertised. And that is 100% not accurate. This is still rental, real estate investing. It's still renting properties. It's still owning properties. Things are going to go wrong. It's not even if they're going to go wrong. They're going to go wrong at some point. And you've got to be willing to put your big boy or big girl pants on to do it. And I think turkeys just come with the message for whatever reason that tell people they don't have to do that. 
Right. What, what do you want to say? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I was just going to say, I think one of the big determinants, it's one of the greatest positives of turnkey that can also be one of the strongest negatives is the ability to invest in remote markets. Yeah. And I'll cover the negative part first. You know, we, we, Ben is in a marketplace there, and I came from a marketplace in the Kansas City metro where you could have really, really crummy neighborhoods within a half a mile of super, super great neighborhoods, and you can make anything look good. And you could put a renter in even at a high, at great cash flow numbers, but it's, it, you know, you really have to study. This is the active part. You have to do your due diligence, know that that market's good. That being said, if you have a, a market that you would love to invest in and you just, how do I invest in, you know, in South Florida? How do I invest in, you know, North Carolina? Well, if there's a turnkey operator there that knows that market that you trust and you've vetted the location, it, it, it is actually a way to invest quasi-passively. Yeah. At least you don't have to know the contractor, line up all that. And so you're investing in the real estate. You're not trying to, you're not trying to be a flipper. You're not trying to make value add profit. You just want decent cash flow and yeah. really a placeholder. Because now you've invested in a market that you feel strongly is going to appreciate or at least hold its value. And what do you want to do? Keep your cash sitting in a bank account where it's burning up at 8% a year minimally or have it, have it parked somewhere. So to me, that's one of the, the great strengths of it is like I have access as long as I have a turnkey operator that I can trust in that market. Yeah. Well, and to your point too, that people forget, like when people are comparing turnkeys to value add deals, yeah, it sucks to pay a market, but. Just if you do the distressed round, the value add round, it's not that black and white because with those returns come, comes risk. And so you are taking on additional risk if you don't totally know what you're doing or even if you know what you're doing. And at the point you're talking about out of state, like what you're talking about is that if you're going to try to rehab a property out of state, great, but there are added risk and there is a level of involvement and effort. And in my case, sanity, I lose sanity way quicker than I lose anything else. And so like people, they, it, there's pros and cons to every single strategy. Like there is no strategy that I will say is wrong or bad or whatever. There is a pro and con to every single one. And you want to look at those. Turnkeys have cons also, but they have pros. Value add is not all just like, oh, highest returns. This will be great. There's a whole risk category that people forget to take into consideration. So, sure. you know, everyone, like it all looks good on paper. But if you go do that extensive rehab deal, especially if it's out of state and something goes wrong, guess what? Your return suddenly, you know, those turkey returns are suddenly looking real nice. <laughs> so, like, you know, again, even if everything goes as planned with that value bad deal, how much time and energy and everything else are you putting into it? Because it's not $120,000 versus $80,000. You have to account for your time and everything and the risk you took on. It's not a one-to-one comparison type of thing. And but again, you know, I'll let people tell me, and when I hear them talk, I'll think that they'd have the ability and the interest to do value add. And I'll say, I don't think you should buy a turnkey. And they're like, isn't that what you sell? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, I want everyone doing what's going to work for them. Turnkeys fit for a lot of people. And I think they get a lot of people into real estate investing who may not otherwise get into it, but they're not for everybody. No worries. Not I even think most of our audiences truly are people that, that are pat looking for passive investment. Yeah. They're, they're not, you know. You don't learn to invest. Investing like a billionaire isn't flipping houses. Okay, let's billionaires. Billionaires aren't rehabbing houses. So, but people that have, you know, some capital, they they want to put that capital to work. That's where passive investment comes in. Yeah, these are phenomenal. You know, I've had people 
I've had some, I've had some people call me saying they have a full-time job and family of five and they want wholesale. And I'm like, did you? <laughs> like, when? Like, do you like borrow a magical week, a month? But like, when, when exactly would you do that? And so that's the, you know, the passive investors, turnkeys can be so good because not everyone wants a job in real estate investing. That's my argument against the flippers and everything. Great if you want to do that. But for the passive people, why force the round peg into the square hole or whatever? Because you want passive. So do something passive. It's when you start swimming upstream and suddenly you're taking on all this active stuff and you're trying to be passive. Again, that's where turnkeys come in phenomenal because it allows you to actually have that passivity. And I'll tell you, on normally years with my properties, I don't spend five minutes on them. I mean, it's of course it's you know all the properties go finally out in one year, which is what this happened. I've been have had a very busy summer, but you know for the most part it is it's as passive as it's going to get. And even when things are hitting the fan, I'm managing all of it with my phone. Like I'm not. I, it's been very rare that I've had to travel to do anything with my property. That's still pretty daggone passive. So. You know, people can say what they want about valuing that, but I love the passivity. Well, I think too, back to the earlier point of being able to invest in other markets, you know, with a pretty low, you know, barrier to entry is a really big pro to turnkeys because a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do, but haven't thought through that investing in your local market isn't always the best strategy, right? I mean, Al, you live in California. It's not not a great cash flow market, right? Yeah. So, you know, so you've got to go find other markets. And you know, there's different strategies whether you're going to emphasize cash flow or emphasize growth, appreciation. Um, and so, but you can kind of almost modularly put together a portfolio based on, you know, market exposure, which which markets you believe in. Uh, well, and the big thing, the piggyback house of that is, yeah, there's the initial decision. Do I want to invest locally? Do I want to invest out of state? Okay, great. And turkeys allow you to go out of state pretty easily. But the other thing that they allow you to do, which is really important, is markets change all the time. So back in those days when I started investing in Atlanta, I mean, the price to rent ratios, the cash flow was crazy. I still have all those properties. I don't know. Man, the lighting. But Atlanta Naval, if you try to invest, there's no cash flow. So it's you are investing out of state and you have to have a team. You've got to have the people to find the properties. You have to find the rehabbers or the contractors, the property managers, all of that. Markets are always changing. So not only do turkeys allow you to invest out of state initially, but it allows you to change markets too. Because if you were to change markets on your own, you have to reestablish a whole team, which is very, I mean, anyone who's been in this industry or probably any industry, it's hard to find good team members and people who you can trust, especially if you're out of state. So when Atlanta lost all its cash flow, are you going to go put another team together in another market? How are you going to figure out those neighborhoods? How are you going to start all over? Where turnkeys, the teams are already built in. And so really, instead of finding those teams, you just have to verify that those teams are good. Just do a little due diligence, make sure they're doing their job. But the teams are already put together for you. So you can bounce markets, which means you can maximize your strategy. Like if you bought Lana when I did appreciation, all my properties are worth three or four times what they were before. That was, again, during the crash. Dallas, for example, was a big cash flow market prior to 2014. And 14, I think it was 14, hit a huge boom. And it's a completely different market now. But so it's like, so I still with it. That brings up a, a point. So talk to, because I'm sure there's a lot of people wondering, they're like, well, it sounds like I missed the boat. You know, you're talking about properties that have doubled, tripled, and the cash flow is not there anymore. Yet you're still in the turnkey provider and coaching business. So yeah. 
give some hope, give some hope to people that are just, <laughs> they're just getting the email in their inbox today. And they're like, oh crap, did I miss it? Yeah, I, I have people, for example, saying, well, what are the cash delivers on your properties? I'm like, I trust me. You don't want to hear. And, you know, all of that to say, that's your motivation. If we do go, if for some reason, another crash were to happen, buying real estate, it's very beneficial. Um, but we're not there anymore. And what's happened over the last 10 years since the crash is my experience the last 10 years is that anyone could be an investor. Everything was cheap. Interest rates were low. Everything was only ever going up. Cash flow was king. The whole thing. It was so easy to be an investor. It was like a padded product. And now we're not there anymore. We're back to the pre-crash type of not dynamics, whatever. And there's a lot of people out there who are essentially jaded about the last 10 years because they're like, well, but I can't get that anymore. I can't get the same cash flow. I can't get that 15% cash on cash returns. And I'm here to tell everyone, I'm trying to shout out from the rooftops, is that was all a bonus. From the beginning of time, people have been incredibly uh, financially benefited by real estate. It didn't. That crunch was very specific. Before that, people still made gobs of money in real estate. So it's just a different outlook of how you make money. Like, I won't go into the details unless you guys want me to, but like a rental property, for example, makes money in five different ways. And so it's not just the cash flow numbers. Yeah, I got great cash flow on my properties. Yeah, they appreciated. But again, that was like bonus levels of appreciation. If you buy a property now, rental properties are long-term goals, period. People have a tendency to want to think about more short-term, like flip it or whatever, or, oh, like this eviction I'm going through now. Like I could look at that and be like, oh man, I'm going to lose so much money this year on this property. I should sell it or I should get out of it. No. Anything bad that's ever happened with property, these are long-term investments. And over time, those profit centers work so hard at getting you returns. It it puts this whole like last 10 years, I don't want to say it a shame because it's, I was actually very nice, but it is absolutely possible and likely that you're going to profit plenty of the properties now. And with interest rates going up, people are like, well, I'm going to pull off and see if we have another crash. I hate to tell you, there's not a crash on the horizon right now. And so the longer you hold off, the interest rates are going to keep getting higher. Like it's a long-term hold. It's a big picture thing. It's not individual detail by individual detail at all. So yeah, you missed the heyday. Honestly, I feel like I missed it. If I knew everything I knew now back on our buying, I would have done it totally different. We all, we all missed it to some degree. Don't you worry. Not alone. So but, maybe the, maybe the person who... Maybe the guy who's or gals who's the aerospace engineer right now that really wants the exit, wants to get out of that. Maybe that kind of a window where you had this incredible appreciation would have been that, you know, moment, window of opportunity where if you actually picked up a portfolio of turnkey properties and, and the cash flow is phenomenal, maybe they refight out of some of that. And now they got some savings, some war chest. Hey, that actually facilitated you making the exit from the from the workplace quicker. But to your point, and I'm I'm a believer in it because I've been full time self employed in the real estate world for you know 36 years. So I'm a believer. I've been through the ups and downs. And I, by the way, I exited an engineering career too. And I don't know why I became an engineer. I was a square peg in a round hole the whole time. But for <laughs> six years, I did that, and I jumped out and did did real estate. I've been doing it ever since. So I will say yes, it's been. It's a very good place to be, and it's a very broad topic. Yeah. And, and rental real estate, I mean, it's probably created more wealth 
to the to the to the would have been average person. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's people that found tech companies and have patents and think there's other ways to get get extremely wealthy, maybe faster. But for the long haul, you, you just can't. It doesn't get better. They're not making any yeah. more of it. You know. So. And I think really what it comes down to, and what I'm really trying to teach people now, I've said it for the last ten years, but I didn't realize how important it was until right now. You know, the really having people get educated on how properties really make money. I say rental properties because that's what I work with. It's, you know, flipping and all that's kind of different. But rental properties, how they make money is so key to understand how to invest in them. Because right now what I'm seeing happen is there's separation. All of those people who are kind of pretending to be investors for the last 10 years are dropping them because now you are forced to understand how properties actually make money in order to go forward, because you have to understand that, because otherwise you're going to be like, I don't see how it's making money. But they totally are. Like one of the big ones that I discounted over the last 10 years are rent increases. The rents on my properties have increased so much that my cash flow margins have gotten stupid. And that's true. That doesn't matter if you bought in a crash or not. The rents didn't crash during the crash. So my properties are rented at perfectly normal amounts. And now fast forward 10 years, the capsule margins I'm experiencing are crazy. And I did not think about that until the 10-year mark. And so now looking back at the 10-year look bad on the whole thing, never mind the appreciation because the lab was France-based and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, the tax benefits, inflation right now, if you have a fixed rate loan on rental properties, you're beating the pants off inflation. And then that rent increases. Like with that's what's required now to be an investor is to really understand because when you're willing to get that knowledge and understand those things, you will profit. Absolutely. Hands down. No question in my mind. I love that. So how, how has your approach kind of shifted, you know, over the past 10 years and in this current environment? I mean, let's bring it to the present because it is a different environment now. I mean, where we stand right now, the recording of this podcast, mortgage rates, you know, just high sixes and ju just clip 7%. And so it, it is more difficult to make deals cash flow. But to yeah. your point, you know, even 7% debt uh, over the long haul and you're paying down principal, you can cre you know create more margin over time through rental increases. You know, if you can eventually go full-time into real estate investing, even passively and get the real estate professional uh, status, uh, the, 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 the tax benefits are incredible. Talk about how your, how you know, personal strategy, but also how you're coaching your clients to what types of markets should they be looking at? Where's the opportunity right now? How are you, how are you, or where are you seeing the opportunity in turnkeys in the current environment with interest rates being where they're at and potentially going up a little bit more? Yeah. So the two things that I'm really telling people, it's really all about cash flow because when turnkeys start getting marketed, everyone's saying cash flow is king. And I'm a little bitter towards the messaging because it's put this idea in people's head, like the 1% rule, for example. If you've heard that, I remember, right. I have to have a property, then we have the 1% rule. Oh, okay. Well, there's no problems with that. Message, like it's, it's, um, everything is turnkeys were pitched as cash flow properties. And so everyone's focus is on the cash flow. Okay, cool. So now, like you said, the capsule is not there like it used to be. So what do we do? And the two things that I say to that are, number one, like I was talking about the rent increases, the cash flow today is temporary. 
when you get the rent increases and now, you know, we do, I very much acknowledge that we're starting to get into more speculation because it's like, well, I'd assume the rent will increase with this and here's the, what be my return. But what if it doesn't? It may not. Like, what if it doesn't? That was definitely a question. But rent increases over time with inflation and appreciation, everything else. The cash flow today is not going to be the same cash flow in 10 years. And that's where it's important to remember this long-term strategy. That cash flow is going to continue to build because I can give you a quick example. One of my break-even properties, this was not turkey, it was my actual house, was my mortgage is $995, the rent is $995. So technically it was negative after maintenance and vacancy and all that. Fast forward, the mortgage on that has only gone up with escrow changing to $1,100. We just rented it out for $1,800. So that's the difference is that your fixed expenses are not going to get as hot. They're not going to grow at the same exponential rate as the rent increases. So the cash flow today is temporary. That's message number one. Number two, going back to this, the ways the rental property profits, it's in five different ways, cash flow, appreciation, tax benefits, equity bill via mortgage pay down and hedging against inflation. And I won't go into the details of all of those, but appreciation, for example, five, 10 years ago, you could invest in a sketchy street and a sketchy property because the cash flow was so high and the property price was so cheap. It didn't really matter if it appreciated later or maybe things happened like capsule was king and you had so much cash flow that it kind of made up for the other things. So now if you picture like the five, I, I wish I had, oh, there's five, like a five thing bar graph of the different profit centers. Appreciation is now becoming more important. It was always a bonus before, but because the capsule bar has come down, you want to buy, this is my personal philosophy. You don't have to listen to me, but. It's a lot more important for me now to look at the bigger picture of a property. What neighborhood is it in? Is it in a growth area? What market is it in? Because from that speculation perspective, which is what appreciation is based off of, I want to ensure that this property has the best chance to increase in value for two reasons. Number one, property value. Number two, rent increases. Because I don't have as much cash flow as I had before, I want the other profit centers to make up for that. This year, inflation, for example, that banner for profit has gone tremendously up because of how the inflation has gone. So I'm looking now, before when I brought properties, I was like, good cash flow, done, sold, and it's cute property. That was my criteria. And it worked. Cash flow and cute. Cash flow and cute. That's all. I was like, kind of girl, I can bring some kind of girl into this. But now it's because the cash flow is lower, it's important to look at the bigger picture. Again, certainly coming full circle back to You've got to be a real investor and understand those other profit centers and what things are going to contribute to those other profit centers to make up for that cash flow now. We, we could probably do a whole part two on this topic that I'm going to ask you, but just the, the five minute version for someone that is new to turnkey rentals, what are the biggest pitfalls in the due diligence that you need to be checking when you're looking at, at a, a property? Yeah, the, the biggest step for alternative due diligence is that people do it. <laughs> <laughs> number one, Me- do it. <laughs> message number one, do it. Uh, <laughs> so the big thing, the two major things that you want to know, one, two, three major things. Let's go with three. Number one, the property condition. You're going to get this property advertised. It should be fully rehabbed, yada, yada, yada. But it's up to you to ensure the condition of the property and make sure that there's no looming and maintenance items. So get a third-party property inspection. Have the inspector go out, identify everything. You can all the recommended repairs to the list, submit it to the provider, ensure that those have been fixed. Cool. 
And with turnkeys in particular, you'll see in the marketing that all major items, if you are familiar with the term CapEx or capital expenditures, that's why I call it CapEx, anything that is really expensive, roof, plumbing, water heaters, major appliances, HVAC systems, that's considered CapEx, which is more than a general uh, repair. It's a big ticket item. And turnkeys, all of those items should be brand new or have at least 10 to 15 years life left on them. Because what you don't want to do is buy this property and then the entire HVAC goes out. The whole idea is to save you that money as long as, you know, at least for another lifetime of those appliances. So property condition, number one. And I've even had a property where I thought everything was checked and then it turned out the heating unit was not. It was $3,500. It was like, ouch. So property condition is number one. Number two, absolutely verify the numbers and the performa. I don't know any turnkey provider done intentionally. Well, that's actually not true. Some people try to fluff numbers. I'm like, I was about to give way too much credit there. And none of the turnkey providers I work with would ever intentionally mislead you on a performa, but sometimes mistakes happen. People are moving fast. Maybe they took the wrong property tax amount, whatever. Maybe the rent estimates not quite right. So you want to verify. There's very few numbers that you can't verify. It's really only estimates for maintenance of vacancy that you can't verify. You can go to the tax assessor's website, from property tax, you can call and get an actual insurance quote. Make sure all of the numbers in the performa are what you believe to be true and you have verified all of them. Don't take anyone's word for it. And then the third thing, I almost left this one out, but this one's critical, is property management. Because once you own that property, property management, no pressure, is going to make or break your investment. And I don't say that lightly. Like, it, they will destroy your investment if they're allowed to. Like, it's terrible. I mean, well, it's good. It can be terrible. <laughs> and so... You want to be incredibly confident on which property manager that you use. And that may change over time. I've had really good managers solely not be very good. And I've had to fire them and get a new one. But turnkeys come with property management. And it's up to you to talk to that property management company. And I recommend you talk to a couple other ones. Because ultimately, you own this property. You should choose who you feel most comfortable with. Because I'm not putting guarantees on any property manager that comes with a turnkey. And you shouldn't either. So you want to make sure that that property manager who is about to manage your investment, you feel really good about. So, you know, there's other things to do due diligence on. There's, you know, details of how to do it in more depth. But if you can at least hit the property condition, the property management, and the performing numbers, you'll have bravely decreased your risk. Because those three things are the three things, hand sale, that I see people get the most trouble with. Very cool. Okay, la last question. This one was in your bio, and I'm a little curious. You said the oh. ultimate goal is to one day challenge Tim Ferriss at a lifestyle design duel. What what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> well, I will admit I wrote that uh, a few years ago when I was a much more adventurous person. Uh, when I first read the four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss, I was like, is he my spirit animal? Like, he reminds <laughs> me of me. Like, you know, like I said, I was like, oh. What could go wrong? My first investment, a third world. You know, I like doing rally stuff. I like adventurous stuff. And he has always been the exact same way. And my goal when I got into real estate and left corporate and started my company, I wanted to be the female Tim Ferriss. And so over the years, you know, I did all the adventurous stuff and it was not trying to copy his life, but I was kind of doing my own version of it. And I was like, I'll challenge him. You know, he's all popular for this. I, I can, I can match that. No problem. I admit, in, as I've gotten a little bit older, I've calmed down. I think I'm Tim has to <laughs> people I know who now know he's kind of calmed down. So maybe we're still kind of, you know, uh, on board with each other. But 
Yeah, that was always kind of, because my big thing, real estate is great, but for me, it's a vehicle. And the vehicle it's for is lifestyle design. And what I mean by that is I want to live my life, how I want to live my life on my schedule, on my terms. You know, as a wife and work for a boss and corporate. And I want to do the things that I want to do. I don't want to wait till I'm 65 and retired to do all of that. I want to do it now. And even though I have my company and I work like a banshee, I do it on my schedule. I, if I'm going to go do something during the day, I just go do it. I work later or I can work where I want to. I literally am living how I want to live. And so that was my inspiration with Tim Ferriss is he was really kind of saying the same thing. And that's kind of my underlying motivation for real estate is to allow for that because you know, people say they want financial freedom. It's not actually financial freedom. They want, they want time freedom and they just need the finances to do it. And so that's kind of the, that's where I felt like I clicked with good old Tim. Good old Tim. That's awesome. Well, I thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your wisdom and knowledge on this space with us and super fun to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for Oh, wait, remember I have a gift for everybody. Oh my goodness. I almost forgot. The- I almost forgot too. Well, um, you can remember the name of this book. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I did put out my first book. It's called Not Your How-To Guide to Real Estate Investing, Life Lessons on Hacking Your Mind Before You Hack Your Wallet. I talk about the real estate investing industry, a lot of what we talked about today, how to make it in a, but also how to, you know, bring a lifestyle design component into it. So it is for sale on Amazon, but I set up a link just for your folks. So my company's name is Hipster Investments. So if you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash billionaire, so we'll check in my link here, you can get a free digital copy of the book. If you're like me and you have to hold something physical in your hand, there's a little link there. Also, if you want the paperback, but that's the best way. I love hearing from people reach out and tell me with complex information's in there. So go get the copy of the free book and say hi. Awesome. We'll put that link in the show notes too to make it easy. And uh, thanks so much for for coming on and giving the freebie to to our listeners. You bet. It was so fun to be on.